Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Escape Your Fate podcast, an anthology horror podcast full of scary tales with choices to be made to see if we can keep the characters alive or inadvertently and sometimes on purpose, lead them to their deaths. Thank you for joining us for this episode. My name is Morgan Wilson. And I'm Morgan Valco. And today we have a tale for you from Charlie Davenport called Ali Ali Oxen Free. Any predictions, thoughts? I have no idea what this is going to be about. <laughs> I feel like just because it's called Ali Ali Oxen Free, they're going to be creepy children. That's my guess. <laughs> there very well could be. Um, and I'm going to take two seconds and turn off notifications for everything else. Stop bleeping in here. All right. Well, uh, are you ready to begin this creepy, spooky story? I am. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. You started walking. On weekday mornings, instead of making coffee. On weekend afternoons, when you used to do the laundry together. And every night, instead of watching television on the couch, you used to sit on with her. Just needing to be elsewhere, to get away from the same four walls. One night, you feel a wet splat against your cheek. You bring your hand up to wipe the liquid away, a part of you fearing you were crying. As if waking from a dream, you look around and see that it's... The shops and houses on the street are dark, and no one else seems to be out. You come across the park, and you realize you've never been to this part of town before. The sheer size of it is peculiar. Peculiar. <laughs> this part of town favors smaller green patches of grass to take the kids while you take the dog to do its business, but no more than that. But this place, it's all deciduous trees and pines, their branches rush, rustling against each other as the rain and wind causes their trunks to sway. You don't remember turning off the main street. And when you look back over your shoulder, you can't make out the lampposts from it anymore. Suddenly you are very aware that you might not be alone in this dark wooded place. Even your empty house seems more appealing than standing out in the chill. But then a hollow muffled bong rings out in the night. And without a reason, at least, not one you could explain to any rational person. And yet you start drifting towards it. Up ahead, a structure, twisting plastic slides, seesaws mounted atop rusty rings and swings rocking back and forth, jangling on their chains. On the monkey bars, you spot a length of rope coiled around one of the rungs, ending in a heavy knot at the other end. There's something dangling from the tangle, Something heavy enough to pull the rope down, but not enough to hold it steady when the wind blew. As if to demonstrate, the breeze picks up, throwing the rope heavily against the metal railings. It clangs like Big Ben at tea time. Then you feel a sharp slap land on the small of your back. You let loose with a yelp that would make Wiley E. Coyote proud. You're it, High Voice says. You spin your face flushing against the cold, and see a small boy running away from you. His brown dress shoes slide across the concrete as he dashes off. And this is your first choice. Ooh. You A, let him go, 
or B, call after him. Oh, I knew there were going to be creepy children. <laughs> you called it. <laughs> Ugh, ghost children on an abandoned playground. Mm. If, if we're talking Morgan, Morgan's walking away because I'm not dealing with that. I'm... <laughs> I'm not about to just go up to a random child and be like, okay, let me just play with you. It's a little creepy. Yeah, that's not my jam with a not creepy child. This one's wearing dress shoes. That's not what children wear. This is an old timey child. <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to go after the child. Can't always oh. play. All right, we're going to call after him. Option B, let me get down there. Let's get down to business. All right. Bring it to <laughs> Hey, you yell sharply, sounding a bit like your grandfather the day you'd run a nail across his Eldorado's finish. He stops and turns in your direction, and you notice his clothes, khaki shorts, knee-high socks, and a button-down shirt. No coat, and he is wet. No, he's soaked. His clothes weighed down by the absorbed water, clinging tightly across his shoulders. Hey, mister, the kid says and takes one step backwards with the wariness of a stray dog. Pretty cold out here for playing, isn't it? You here with anybody? A fresh gout of rain throws itself against both of you. Friends, the boy responds, seemingly drawing the word from somewhere deep in his memory. Friends, you repeat, the doubt heavy in your voice. Playing with friends, just while I wait here. For Ma? His voice wavered. Your mom told you to wait here? You wave your hand around the dark, wet park. Yes, she's working late. Then you hear something crashing around in the trees. It could be animals, you think, but then you hear a giggle. Then another, and another, before the wind drowns them out again. A coldness, a chill of a really different kind prickles at you. The boy's eyes dart towards the trees before settling back on you. Those your friends, you ask? Yeah, the kid tries to pause, stifle it, but suddenly he's crying, the kind that shakes the whole body. I, I don't want to play anymore. Can I just go home? You don't ask where home is. You don't ask him what is going on. You don't ask how you can get a hold of his mom. All you say is yes. And lightning fast, he shoves his frozen little hand into yours, immediately squeezing it for all it is worth, and you are off. You head down the path. The boy's grip around your hand is harder than you would have believed possible for someone his size. Occasionally, you still hear something crashing through the brush, or you see a stand of bushes shaking by something shoving past. Each time you feel a slight but mounting desire to pick up the pace and just race past what is whatever made those noises. But you tamp down on that thinking and carry on. As you rounded the turn, looping around a small grassy hill, the wind dies down. 
You didn't, couldn't hear anything through the rain except the echoing of your footsteps, bouncing off of baseball dugouts and the garishly graffitied public toilets as you pass them, making it sound as if someone inside them is readying themselves to join you on your stroll. The boy is looking behind you to the hill you'd both come around. It seems to refuse to fall any further away from you. Then, in a sudden gale blast, a wild whippoorwill of wind rushes up against you, and you hear someone calling out. Ollie, ollie, oxen free, Lewis! The voice had that squeak that boys can develop as they edge into adolescence, and its owner sounds like he is smiling. For the first time in years, you think of Dennis Delario, a hormonally advanced kid in your grade school that had delighted in running down the slow, beating the weak, and ceaselessly tormenting the awkward of Admiral Perry Elementary. You had both hated and feared him. You peer down at this kid, squinting against the wind and rain, and see a sad, terrified resignation on his little face. They're not going to let me quit. You break into a run, hauling up the boy into your arms, his cold cheek resting against your neck. Not seconds after, a chorus of a dozen voices springs up around you from all points along the trail, taking up the call. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free! Come on, baby Louie! He's got to find all of you! A girl's voice calls from somewhere back among the leaves. You hear a whistle as something sails past your ear. A moment later, there's an impact on your shoulder, luckily hitting a bunch of your coat's fabric rather than the flesh underneath. The neck strikes hard against your back, and you pull Lewis even closer. Rocks. They're throwing rocks. You're a grown-up. Tell them I'm not in it anymore, Lewis whimpers. Mama's boy. Mama's boy. Mama's boy. Mama's boy they chant as they fill the air with their missiles. Lewis is practically trying to bury into you, his ice-cold skin leeching the warmth from your flesh. Tell them I'm not it, Lewis shrieks. Shh, sweetie, it's okay. This is all you can think of to say, huffing the words out between labored exhales. You force your legs to put you faster and further down the path. Quitter! Tell them, Lewis wails. Baby's gonna cry. Tell them. The little bastards laugh as though this is the funniest thing anyone had ever said. These are followed by what must have been half a dozen others from all directions, swelling up into the darkened night sky. And all the while behind us, Ali Ali oxen free. There are no lights anymore. The trees are dense, packed in tightly against the path. Place bears no resemblance to a park except for the concrete path underneath your feet. After what feels like miles, a streetlight pokes out, shining clear and bright, a part of the outside world. Yards. You are only yards away. A whistle disturbs the silence directly behind you. Not unlike someone calling for a lost dog. You turn towards it. On the corner of your brow, there is a crack. You pinch your eyes tight against the pane. There is another and another. You stumble, crashing to the ground, attempting to absorb the worst of it. You twist as your fall, but Lewis cries out in pain as you land hard against the pavement. 
Then they break from the brush. A dozen silhouettes that come up no higher than your hip. There are clutching little hands everywhere, trying to pull you and the boy apart. You roll over, Lewis, trying to shield him as best you can and struggle to get back to your feet. Dirty, jagged fingernails drag across your exposed flesh and leave little rivulets in their wake. Small, hard shoes strike against the meaty and bony parts of your body alike, sending up jolts of sharp, fresh pain, all made so much worse by the cold rain. One of them, a bit taller than the rest, darts forward. Even in the low light of the park, you can see the hardness around his eyes. He grabs Lewis and with a tiny, excited grunt, pulls backwards with all his might. You pull back and the man-boy's bony fist crashes against the side of your head with such ferocity that you taste the tang of copper in your mouth. He landed that same blow a dozen, two dozen more times. I'm not it! Lewis wasn't in your arms anymore. And the world started to pull down into a tight pinprick around you. Maybe that's okay, you think. I didn't really want to go back to the house anyway. Then, with one foot out of the door of the waking world comes, tell them I'm not it! It is a plea, a last desperate attempt, and they laugh at it, his fear funny to them. What do you do? Do you face the bullies? Or do you declare yourself it? Mm. It's a hard choice. Because they're going to either kick the shit out of me, or I'm going to have to chase them down. And play their stupid game. And then I'm going to, what, am I going to be a ghost with them? I don't want to be a ghost with ghost children. Sounds terrible. Sounds like you'd have to be the parent, which um, a dozen ghost children doesn't sound great. Yeah, I can't, I don't think I could be a parent to like maybe two ghost children. A <laughs> dozen? I'm overwhelmed. Can't do it. Okay. I think if I tried to face them, they're just going to beat me up. So I'm okay. going to say that I'm it. All right, we're going to declare ourselves it. Let me get down to the right page. <laughs> I'm it, you say without a thought. Their laughter ceases. Your body tries to refuse your command to stand, but you claw your way back and pull yourself to your feet, lurching towards the moving crowd. You boom, sounding full of punch-drunk bravado. He tagged me, fair and square. They stop in their tracks and turn to regard you with their eyes akin to suspicion. Their leaders has his arm pressed against Lewis's throat, jerking the small boy to and fro, trying to stifle his tears. Don't you know how the game is played, dummy? He tagged me, fair and square. You shoot out your hands and dig your fingers into his forearm, tearing Lewis free. I'm it, you holler in his face. Before they can process the information or your actions, you turn and run at top speed with Lewis back in your arms. It is a full second, maybe two, before you hear an indignant, hey! Then the rocks start thudding in the dirt and skipping off the pavement all around you. One finally strikes hard against your backbone, a sharp jolt traveling through your body. After that, you don't think a single, single stone misses. The steady footfalls behind you provide a counterbeat to the constant pelting that lands against your shoulder blades, kidneys, and skull. 
You lower your shoulder, turning the boy into your face as far from the hedge as you can. As you do, you see the older boy leading his playmates in pursuit, the odd one stopping now and then to scoop up more missiles. There is a gap in the greenery, just big enough, maybe, for both of you to fit through. As escape plans go, it's pretty poor. You dive forward. The branches scrape and poke everywhere as you try to force through. A branch snaps back against your efforts and thrusts into your eye, hard enough to generate bright pinpricks of light behind your eyelid. Another limb, having more in common with a tree than its brethren, sends you sprawling backwards hard. But you don't stop and burst through a spot in the hedges surrounding the park and crumple to the ground under the light that you so desperately tried to reach. When you land, the ground underneath you has a gentle give to it you weren't expecting. It's grass under you. You roll over to your elbows, and as the world spins and lurches, you realize it's, realize it's tree branches above your head and not the glow of the streetlight. You are still inside the park. Hey, a voice calls apologetically from behind you. You turn, catching sight of Lewis's face frail frame poking out slightly from between the bushes brambles. Illumination from the streetlight behind him cast his face into darkness, making it impossible to see his expression as he says, I'm sorry. I just wanted to go home. He waits there for a second more, maybe holding on for you to say something in return. His hand floats up slightly to his shoulder as if to offer you a departing wave. Then he turns and dashes off down the street. That was three days ago, or so you think anyway. It's hard to tell here. It's always dark, always raining. Every inch of you is soaked to the bone, and the flesh wrapped around them is stained a livid purple from the stones and the cold. And there's always the call carried to you on the cold, wet wind. Ollie Ollie Oxen Free! The end. You're trapped forever. But you didn't die. You're just trapped with a bunch of ghost children. Until I find a stranger and trap them there and leave. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that? Would you do that to a stranger? To get out? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about a stranger. <laughs> Screw them. I want to live. <laughs> I want to live. <laughs> well, that is the it of our main branch. Uh, that's that's it. So, uh, Morgan, you're stuck, trapped for eternity. And what I'm going to assume is like, uh, what is that middle ground called between purgatory? purgatory. Yes, you are now wow. stuck in purgatory forever <laughs> with scary. a bunch of small children. That's where all the unbaptized babies go. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this tale. If you would like to listen to the choices we didn't make, you can check out our Patreon page to purchase the alternative branches. Links in the show notes. And if not, we hope to see you again on the next episode of the Escape Your Fate podcast. Bye!